0: What does it take to get to a global top 100 podcast level? As you know from the first episode of this podcast, our Communication Queens framework ends with our final step of the framework, which is to start your own podcast. And we're going to begin with the end in mind because in this episode of the Communication Queens podcast, we have global top 100 podcaster, Laura Wallace, also known as Laura Aura, founder and creator of the Gutsy Podcast. The Gutsy Podcast is an award-winning global top 100 podcast on Apple Podcasts in business entrepreneurship. Whether you're in the need for an inspirational pick-me-up or a swift kick in the mental ass, the Gutsy Podcast is your weekly guide to undoing all of the thoughts, feelings, and expectations that are keeping you stuck so you can take your power back and expand your business in a way that aligns with you. Laura has been an entrepreneur for over 16 years, She delivers in this episode not only a demonstration of how vulnerability and courage are the key components that drove the Gutsy Podcast to being what it is and that have catapulted her into amazing success as a speaker, as a coach, as a podcaster, but also in this episode, I want you to really listen for what she says it takes to have a global top 100 podcast and the systems and discipline and consistency habits that she has that allowed her to get to and now sustain the incredible success of the gutsy podcast laura has been featured on wealth insider entrepreneur podcast magazine yahoo finance yahoo news and the gutsy podcast has been a featured business podcast on amazon music With over 90,000 downloads in 125 countries, Laura Ora has interviewed hundreds of entrepreneurs. Some favorites include Marcus Lamonis from CNBC's The Prophet, Tori Dunlap from her first 100K, and editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, Jason Pfeiffer. Laura is here to help you get out of your own way so you can do the shit that you actually want to do. She brings courage and hilarious, vulnerable, transparent stories to this episode so tune in and listen to the end because she drops some bombs all the way through so let's dive in and get gutsy with this communication queen laura aura Welcome to the Communication Queens Podcast for the visionary leaders, speakers, service providers, and podcasters who are looking to stand out sharing their story. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, former screenwriter turned master communications coach. On this podcast, I'll be coaching you on how to share your own transformation story so that you increase your visibility, influence, and income on podcast interviews. Let's get your voice heard. I am so excited, Laura, to have you on the show because you have made it to a Global Top 100 podcast. Can you tell me about the growth of what you created? Did you Was that intentional? Did you want to get to that stand, uh, point of having a Global Top 100 podcast?
1: You know, I have to even, first thank you for having me. And second, even to hear you say that, that will never get old. Because I take every time that I read that or look at it myself or hear someone say it back to me and I just take a second and really embody that because podcasting sometimes it's about continuing to show up even when you feel like nobody is listening. And that resiliency, that continuation, that consistency, when it gets to that point that we're talking about right now, it's like, damn, this actually worked. (laughs) <laughs> so At what point did
0: you get to like in like just data points like did you know like how many episodes had you released how many downloads did you have to be in that space
1: yeah so this is actually fairly new so the gutsy podcast launched in 2019 um slow and steady wins the race right a lot of figuring it out a lot of kind of going back and forth and you had asked like was that the intention? And, and I think in the back of my mind, but I didn't launch the podcast being like, my top goal is to be in the top 100. And if that is your goal, that I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that that was not my personal goal. For me, it was really a lot about strengthening my voice and learning to be comfortable being seen and heard and impacting other people. So that combination kind of led us through. So the, these new numbers, these new kind of stats Um, are new just in the last three months. So I had been podcasting for four and a half years before this really, really took off. Um, We were about 300-ish episodes in before it really took off. Um, and, and, And again, that's kind of the point of continuation and trusting in it and knowing that the numbers are not always the most important thing, but... I'm also not going to discount that when the numbers are there, that that's pretty fucking awesome too.
0: Now, when you launched it to have the voice, like was there a business strategy involved with why, or was it just more of a personal passion project? And then the strategy kind of, it kind of followed and braided in with your business.
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you kind of how the podcast was born. So my, my, my bread and butter, my background is in branding. If I'm a brand owned a branding agency for the last 16 years but working through branding I was working with entrepreneurs and I myself as an entrepreneur were having like thoughts and feelings like my mind was going 100 miles an hour one day I'm on top of the world the next literal second I feel like everything sucks and I'm like this is really this is a really bizarre type of like I there must be something wrong with me right like I'm losing my mind And then i started having conversations with the people that i was working with to find out they were also having those same thoughts feelings and expectations within themselves and i'm like hold on a second (laughs) i can't be the only one you can't be the only one there must be more so at the time i had still have um, a green couch the lime green couch and i started to interview people on it so they would come in it was a whole production lighting camera crew all that kind of good stuff and we would just have very raw conversations about the behind the scenes of running a business from the personal human mind standpoint and I tell you what like that lit me up like a Christmas tree I'm like okay there's something in this that I'm really really drawn to but after doing that for a couple of years you know the production costs that were were rapidly increasing and there just wasn't a return on it and I'm like okay I don't want to stop this so how can I get creative what can I do instead figure out how to launch a podcast i have no idea how to do that so i bought a 25 dollar headset off of amazon i used garageband and i started kind of writing out scripts and recording episodes so the initial intent was to continue to have those conversations on a bigger scale so that i could one talk with more people more frequently because i get i feed off of those conversations right like same here like cloud nine Um, But two, I wanted to be able to impact more people and I was really kind of limited locally um, to do that. So I figured out how to launch a podcast and that's what we did.
0: So with over 300 episodes and having done this for four years now, I have a two-parter. What has podcasting taken from you and what has podcasting given to you?
1: Oh, what has it taken from me? Is that in the, tell me a little bit more about that question. Is that like in the sense of. So it can be in
0: any form of like, did you, what did you have to give up in order to sustain the growth? Um, What did you have to remember within yourself or discover within yourself? Um, Or what did you have to give up as far as like maybe even doubts or beliefs about your own voice? Um, And then what did it give to you beyond the scope of just a platform
1: got it thank you for clarifying that you're welcome all of that and then some <laughs> so uh the kind of the quick version of this is it really taught me that my voice mattered but that i had it i i personally needed to build that muscle so the very like if you listen to the first five episodes it's embarrassing to me but but am i going to delete them absolutely not because without those first five episodes, I would not be having this conversation with you right now. Mm -hmm. So I honor that version of me in that season. But it also taught me the art of organization in the sense that like, behind the scenes of a podcast has a lot of moving pieces, way more than anybody would ever imagine. And so just that, that organization, the consistency, the communication, the pre planning. So in the past, I've been an Uh, master at coming in at the 11th hour to do shit. Uh, Not a great thing. Old habit, right? That doesn't work great in podcasting. It constantly kind of keeps things and people in this like putting out fire zone. So just learning a lot about the way that I work, some old habits that needed to kind of get nixed. And honestly, even just looking at like, okay, this thing really excites me. Why am I putting this as the last thing that I do? Why isn't this the focus of what I'm doing? why am I always putting this on the back burner? And when I get to it, what if I started to prioritize it instead? And a lot of those little shifts really started to make a big difference. And then what does it give to me? Like I told you, every episode, I'm on cloud nine, right? Like it lights me up like a freaking Christmas tree. I get to connect with incredible women, literally all around the world to have these deep, impactful conversations that then that ripple effect impacts the people that are listening, that then we'll never see how that ripple effect affects then the people in their lives and in their lives and in their lives. And so it gives me true, pure joy. Like I I can't imagine not podcasting, right? Like it is the, one of my favorite things in the entire world to do. Um, it's where I've I've really honed in on my voice. I've built so much confidence in myself, so much belief in myself, and I also get to have badass conversations with people around the world. Okay. <laughs> yeah, It's a win-win situation.
0: Yeah, I think, I, especially for new podcasters, when they're getting started, there is the, that initial 30 episodes that, I mean we have a policy at our agency that we only will submit our clients to podcasts that have produced an episode in the last 90 days and that's only 5% of podcasts quite frankly out of 5.5 million only about 400,000 do and what when you say commitment especially in the beginning stages when it's clunkier because I did the same thing like pulling that 11th hour and my team was like scrambling to to get the release done and uh, with our with our crown yourself podcast so there was that experience of okay this isn't working but at the same time instead of scrapping the podcast completely saying you know let's revamp let's let's processify and systematize and put that in and then it it it's, it makes things a little bit more seamless but th- that is a is a growth and evolution that comes to that so for those who are starting a podcast for whatever reason, whether it's to get their voice out or to build their business or brand awareness, how do you, what is the first thing? Would, would you have processified first and like sat down and systematized and mapped out everything if, if you were to go back and redo it? Or would you just like start it and kind of figure it out, duct tape it together along the way?
1: I think a little bit of I think a little bit of both, to be honest with you, because I think that you can, you can map things out all day long, but until you're actually physically in it, do you really truly know all the things, right? I think it's, I think it's good to have framework. I think it's good to say, okay, we want this to happen. So what kind of needs to happen to make that happen, right? We can kind of put in these, uh, maybe bookmarks to say, okay, here are the kind of the checklist, the stuff that needs to happen along the way. But I think that the majority of, excuse me, I think that the majority of the ins and the outs of your process comes from doing. And you start doing it and you realize, oh, actually, this needs to happen before that. But then the trick, though, is like pausing long enough to document that. And then the next round, implement that one. Right. And so we're just kind of turning the knob each individual time. Until there is a flow that just seems so seamless that you don't really have to think about it much, but in those early days, it's a lot about being very flexible and saying, "Okay, here is my general plan," but the only way I'm going to truly know is to just get in and do it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the the action step, like the number one thing, having coached leaders for seven years now is seeing that speed of implementation is so essential to getting anything off the ground. Otherwise you get stuck in your head and have to have this like perfect plan that never exists cause it's in your head and you have to like actually bring it into the physical realm where it's like in the doing and then you're like the perfect plan typically has to change in some ways.
1: Absolutely, like, I mean, you can howl things to death and then it just stays an idea, right? Mm-hmm. You can over process things and wanna perfect things and like, you're just doing all this stuff. You just got to sometimes just do the thing, right? Just start. What's one thing that I can do today? And then give yourself the opportunity and the grace to really build off of that, knowing that I'm building something as I go. And that's okay. In my world, I like to call it messy action, Mm -hmm. right? It's being willing to take one next step, not knowing the answer to the entire thing, but also being willing and conscious of building what this process is along the way. Because what you don't want to do is just, wing it every single time right that is i promise you it's stressful i promise you you won't want to stick with it because you're going to be like oh my gosh i gotta do that and then you're trying to remember everything and your brain can only hold so much and Mm -hmm. it just gets messy
0: and you can't delegate it either like you can't if unless you have a process down there's no way to delegate or offset any of the pieces that are not in your zone of genius like my jam when i first started the crown yourself podcast was like i i tested it i was like i want to work through it all myself but then when i realized editing was just taking an eternity i was like that's first to go and that's the number one thing i hear podcasters struggle with editing and sponsorships the time it takes i'm like why are you even doing your own editing
1: right yeah a lot of people want to hold on to control right Mm -hmm. Um, or sometimes it's resources, time, money, energy. Mm -hmm. Um, but you you know, I think a lot of times we start a lot of things and do all the things because that's what we need to do, what we are not collectively as great at is recognizing when it's time to delegate that thing forward. And editing, editing is one of those things. I like I can tell you that if it were up to me to do the things that my podcast team does for me, again not having this conversation because it just wouldn't get done, Mm -hmm. right? So I get to focus on building connections and having conversations and exchanging energy. And my team is in their area of awesome by taking all of that stuff and doing all the magic that they do. It's really a win-win situation.
0: When you started your podcast, did you have a team or was it just you?
1: I had a team. So at that time, I had an internal like full staff at my branding agency, And so I had a member on that team that was able to do some of the back end stuff. And um, we had hired an editor outside of the team as well. So pretty early on, we delegated a bunch of stuff. Um, And then honestly, though, when, when COVID hit, you know, I had to make some really big, big, big changes in my business. And all of a sudden, I did not have a support team. And so I reabsorbed a lot of the roles and responsibilities of it and did that for a couple of months. I don't know, six months or so. And I was like... What do I need to let go of back end of the podcast? If I really want this thing to grow the way that I know that it can, I have got to get my hands out of the backside of it. So, you know, it's, it's always a moving thing too, right? Like it's fluid and mm-hmm. it might work for a little while and then something needs to be shifted or you might have someone on your team and then that's not the right fit anymore and you have to shift things and it's just being open to the, to the changes and the, again, the t- little turn of the knobs to make it work.
0: Yeah. I think that that's something that uh, just have like having kids has allowed me to really see just not only in my podcast but in in my business of just okay there's a, a fluidity of that now something else needs to be processified because obviously this is taking too much of my time because I have a little two year old that's like banging on the door for attention yeah. and I'm like okay <laughs> we need to we need to shift and pivot and create some some new and um, some new processes and systems to support. So it's no longer up here in my brain. it's it can be out there, and other people can be working in that space
1: absolutely.
0: What does it mean to be gutsy?
1: You know that is my favorite question to ask on my show, yeah, uh, it is it's one of those things where it is so cool because it is so the answer is so different to everyone, but the feeling is always the same. So to me, gutsy is is this it's a it's big, right? gutsy is is giving yourself permission to rediscover who you are and then acting choosing and taking action from that space it's showing up in spaces when nobody's listening it's dancing when everyone is looking it's putting yourself out there it's it's dressing differently even though everyone else isn't but you just feel called to it's you know it's frolicking. around rollicking around under the full moon, barefooted, because that just feels good to you, right? It's speaking up. It's standing up for something. It is embodying everything that you were born as before the world told you what you should be. Mm. Gutsy, to me, is like what we're all getting back to, is just being ourselves.
0: When did you decide to be gutsy in your business?
1: (laughs) I mean, you've been an entrepreneur for 16 years. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I decided to be gutsy. I think I just became gutsy, right? Because my, my ambition is greater than my fears. And that is gutsy in its own. So even when I'm scared, even when I'm nervous, even when I don't have all the answers, even when it's not clear, even when it doesn't make sense to anything or anyone, when my ambition, my intuition, and my calling say, all systems go, guess what Laura's doing? We're leaning into it. So I think gutsy is just always been a part of who I am. It just kind of got formalized as what that actually is. And then is forming kind of this movement right around it to help other, you know, I work with a lot of women, but for people in general to help people say like, you know what, there's more inside of me. And, and I think I'm willing to figure out what that is. What's your ambition for the podcast
0: and for your business?
1: I pause and I smile for a second because I honestly truly feel like I am at the beginning of the next phase of my life and that is really fucking exciting right now to me because I've always been very good about leaning into the things that make me feel curious and excited and that has always led me to where I need to be for that to really start to come to fruition so for me the podcast is 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 ongoing right right we've got incredible momentum right now so it's continuing to build on that continuing to have great conversations and invite people into to be impacted in a positive way but i think that there's more to it i don't know 110 what that is but i'm open to it i think that there's probably some sort of um in-person video you know like interview style type of stuff to to maybe be happen um Speaking on stages, I'm very hungry to speak Mm. on stages. When I can physically get in front of people and I can see your heads nod and I can see people writing, you get that through Zoom, right? Don't get me wrong. I I love that as well. But man, there is nothing quite like the impact of in-person shit. And so speaking on stages and having that energy exchange and being able to to walk up to somebody afterwards and give them a really big hug or, you know, to to wipe a tear off of somebody's cheek or just to have that connection. I'm really hungry to get out there and start speaking on stages again because it's it's been a hot minute, <laughs> um, and uh, and and that's definitely a big a big part of who I am and what I'm doing. And girl, I tell you, there are books inside of me. There are books. Uh. And so between teaching slash coaching, expanding on the podcast, which is a which is a tool of that, um, and writing books, there are things to be done. There are certainly, I've noticed a trend and I think it's because
0: for two years we didn't have that human t- connection. So we've never known what it was like without it. Yeah, And I have seen a collective trend, not just in the coaching industry, but in general towards reconnecting deeply in person and having live events and the value of that, that we took for granted because Absolutely. there is nothing like that in person feeling. I mean, yeah. Like when I got my TED talk, I was like, I am, this is, it's It's not going to be a virtual one. It's yeah. going to be in person. And it was like this, I was living in Australia at the time. It was mm-hmm. this close to being shut down on lockdown. Fortunately, they threw a very large football game. So they, they couldn't really justify having a lockdown after that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was super close. And I was like, no, this is happening. It's happening in person. And it did. And the vibe of just being there and seeing the experience of how other people experience your words, your stories, your your message—it's it's, it's transform—it's collectively transformative because it transforms Absolutely. you at the same time as the speaker.
1: Well, it's it's energy, right? Energy is always in, around, through, above, below. I mean, we are surrounded by energy all the time, and when we when we come together physically in a space, that vibration naturally raises. Right. You can feel it. You feed off of other people. You have conversations that you never would have. You met your new best friend, right? Like you you met that connection of the of the thing and the person that you were looking for in the bit, right? Like you just you can't make that shit up. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, there's just a magic that happens when you're together. And so, you know, just having the space to do that. TED Talk is hundred percent on my top list, you know. And I think that, you know, I think I'm just always crazy enough to believe that everything is possible. Me too. And- And I just trust that and go with it, and turns out it's working out pretty well.
0: (laughs) What's the next big courageous move for you? Like, if you were to hone in on what that big gutsy leap is.
1: It's funny you ask that, Uh, because I've been having this conversation lately, and uh, do I want to say this out loud? Why not? I'm the queen of gutsy, right? Um, You know, my branding agency has been uh, an invaluable part of my career and has got me to where I am. And I thought I would do branding until the day that I die. And I think that there's always a part of me that will, right? Um, That's not my focus anymore. And so giving myself permission to fully take my foot off of the gas of that and fully put it on The gas of speaking, teaching, coaching, writing, impacting. It's a lot of letting go and a lot of opening up and receiving. So it's this like comfort zone shift. I don't know what that looks like and I don't need to know what that looks like. Right. I'm not trying to figure out the how right now. But I know that my future, when I think about it, does not include branding Mm. as my focus.
0: Yeah, it's a powerful transition. And I, I feel that one deeply. Um, When I transitioned in 2018 to from having my brick and mortar Pilates studio, that was my first business that I'd had for 13 years, and into full time coaching, it was like, I knew embodiment practices and body work would certainly still be a part of my coaching, but not not so much Pilates. I did bring it back virtually for a hot second during COVID, though, in one of my programs, just because my, I had so many clients who were like, "We need to work out. Please help us." Please help us. And I was like, "Okay, I guess we can frame this in the way of like nervous system regulation, whatnot." But it was, um, it was a very powerful letting go and realization of that space. So I honor this transition that you're going through, and I'm so honored that you shared it.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You know, I felt some resistance in my body, but through the the mindfulness work that I do and what I teach my clients, I'm like, all right, Laura, let's practice what we preach here. And, you know, it's that that's how quickly you can shift something and I can feel the resistance. I know where it was in my body, but my soul was like, oh, yeah. What if what if we just say that? What if what if we own that a little bit further? Yeah, And I think that that's what transitions are all about. It's not about flipping the table over overnight, right? We're not pulling the sheet off and like, you know, doing some kind of like magic here. We're just taking one next step and saying, okay, well, what if if I own this out loud again? You know, I literally just owned this out loud with my husband earlier this week. So it's not been even that long. It's still very fresh, but it feels very right in my body. So I'm like, what if I just, what if I play with this feeling a little bit? Because I don't have to do anything, right? Yeah. But I can lean into what is possible and what excites me.
0: And I and I so respect that because there's always the choice to also lean into that fear and scarcity of like, oh, now there's this void of like this this unknown, but also this void of income with with any sort of leaving any business behind. Yeah. And that law the universal law that the universe hates a void so it's going to fill it it's going to fill it period but you just got to trust that the the
1: tide is going
0: to come back in yes and it always does
1: yes if we stop trying to control things and we True. get out of and we get out of our own way because it's always trying to come into your life but we have these like shields on and we're like oh, no oh, no right like we're like fighting We're fighting it. Meanwhile, the universe is like, could you just put the damn thing down for a second? Because I'm trying to help you.
0: (laughs) What is the biggest shield that you've had to draw?
1: Ah, my friend. I like your questions, by the way. Thank you. Absolutely. The biggest shield that I have had to drop. Hmm. My deeply rooted belief and fear in abandonment and that if I am not people-pleasing and expending myself that people will leave me. I have had to drop that shield time and time and time again until I got to the point where I realized that the true abandonment that I was fearing was not necessarily in others. It was through others but not in others but it was in myself. That I must first not abandon myself. So that I can continue moving forward. And when I started to really like hone in on trusting and believing and supporting and nurturing myself and realizing that I'm never actually alone. Then my fear of other people leaving turned into that might suck for a second. But it doesn't mean anything about me. Because people are meant to come in and out of our lives our entire life. So the way that that has showed up in and out of my business has been That's a whole conversation in its own, but I'm finally to the point where I, you know, COVID forced me to be alone a lot, which is funny because that was the thing that I was fighting against the most. And it forced me to be alone. I have my husband and my son, which I'm very thankful for, but just in a bigger capacity. And it was, you know, kind of through that process where I realized like, I'm actually pretty okay and safe alone. That I don't, my validation isn't in the hands of other people. It's actually in myself.
0: Hmm. what did abandonment of self look like, like in in an example in your business? What? Because I've heard that from a lot of a lot of clients and uh, listeners of the Crown Yourself podcast, that fear of abandonment, abandoning themselves as they're going toward their purpose. But can you give us an example of what that actually looks like?
1: Yeah, I'll give you one of the ugliest parts of that. (laughs) Because why not? We're I mean, we're all today here. So um, to me, a abandonment fears showed up in my business by going way above and beyond to make sure everyone had what they needed all the time. So people pleasing to its finest, but at a detriment. So, you know, me as the owner, as the CEO, like we're, you know, I'm the captain of the ship, but I was always just like giving the, the steering wheel away right like oh, what do you want oh let's go there what do you want let's go there and it ended up this like big ass diluted version of what I had started and at its worst it was making sure that everyone else was paid before I was we had gone through some financial challenges and I didn't pay myself for four months I literally had a stack of checks on my desk at my house waiting for the next right thing to come in but making sure that everyone else was taken care of. Now, part of that is being an owner and, you know, make you you have commitments and all that stuff, but I, that's to the side. Right now, it was, that was a long period of time of giving myself away to make sure everyone else was taken care of because if I upset them, then they will leave. And I wanted to avoid that, like the plague. Yeah. And so that, that kind of realization where I was like, shit, like, If someone is going to leave, they're going to leave, regardless of what I do or don't do. Yeah. Let me let me stop trying to control that and understand that I am safe within myself first. How did you pull yourself through that? Well, a lot of tears. Um, a lot of tequila in the basement (laughs) by myself, to be honest with you. Like COVID was I don't drink. I actually don't drink anymore because I think that I drank my lifetime's worth of alcohol. During lockdown. Um, and now I have like no interest in drinking at all. But in all honesty, it was just getting very honest with myself, very honest with myself, acknowledging my own flavor of bullshit, seeing where my tendencies and my resistance was showing up, seeing where like all these old habits and beliefs had come from. It's a lot of introspection, right? A lot of getting very real with who who am I by myself. What's going on in here? And I think one of the most pivotal moments for me was I was sitting in my basement and I'm looking around and I'm like, what does Laura want? And I realized that I hadn't asked myself that in that, that question for probably about 10 years. Cause it was always, what did they want? What do they want? What do they need? What do they want? What do they need? Fulfilling, fulfilling, fulfilling each time, a little tiny piece of me out in a way. And so I was like, what does Laura want? And I started to make decisions through that lens. And that meant some things left. That means some things grew. That meant some things got rearranged. But ultimately, it all needed to go through what does Laura want? What supports my life? What supports my energy? What brings me joy? Let me start leaning into taking care of and not abandoning myself first. And what great things could happen if I do that? So very slowly, but very surely, things started to unfold in a much healthier way. I absolutely
0: love the picture that you paint as you were speaking that story, because the specifics of <laughs> drinking your weight in tequila in your <laughs> basement, like that is a very specific concrete picture that we can like lean into and feel and experience as we're also experiencing the the lesson through the story and i love leveraging the power of story and like that just the resonance that you had in in communicating it so authentically and truthfully while also maintaining your credibility as an entrepreneur and you know showing that those those failures and those scars of what you've went through and then how you've ha- created that transformation just Brilliant storytelling technique. Really, Thank really, exci- really exciting. Thank you. Um, looking at how, like, are you always this vulnerable or does it always depend on, because I know you think vulnerability is your power and that's like one of your super core beliefs. When you go on other people's podcasting you're, or you're speaking on stage, do you share with that level of vulnerability or is it really audience dependent or podcaster dependent?
1: It's always on yeah <laughs> it, it was part of it was part of you know when I mentioned that the podcast was part of that exercise was to build confidence in my voice and and part of that is my storytelling is my natural just like quirkiness you know like I'm a goofball and I cuss and I do stupid things uh, in TikTok videos I'm not a dancer but you know let me <laughs> but I'm just like you know being vulnerable just kind of became like I found so much peace in it even though it's scary the peace honestly came from the people across from me whether that's on screen typing in person whatever leaning in and being like oh my god me too and I'm like "Ooh, I like how that feels not that I am glad that you feel or experience what I'm saying, but I'm glad that there is a togetherness in this, that there's a mm. community. And it goes back to the basis of why I started interviewing people in the first place is that we're all having similar thoughts, feelings, experiences, but we're not talking about it. Why are we not talking about it? Because we don't feel safe. So if I can be a safe place for people to start letting down some of their walls to say like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like that too. Thanks for being the one that says that because now I know that I'm not losing my shit. Now I feel a little bit more confident in myself today because I know that there's someone that maybe I look up to or follow or watch these crazy videos that I can relate to. And even if we're not side-by-side friends, I know that there's somebody else out there too. So vulnerability, absolutely, 110% has become my superpower because it's, it's the impact that it makes. And I've just, I don't know why I feel called to be so open, but it's just part of my journey and I've stopped fighting it and just started accepting it.
0: When do you think, or do you ever think that vulnerability turns into oversharing or what are your boundaries around what stories you choose to share and will not share?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that understanding what your personal boundaries are are really important. I remind myself that everyone doesn't need to know every story of my life. But sometimes there are ones that are really impactful that can benefit and help other people. But one of the things that I'm very adamant about is not sharing while I'm in it Mm -hmm. because often emotions are involved, right? So one of the stories that I'm very open about is um, in those early stages, when the housing market crashed, we were in the beginning of the business and all this stuff, we just got to the point we filed bankruptcy. And so that was a really big moment. To share that during that, I I would have been all over the place, right? Like, the, I didn't have the wisdom and the groundedness yet. I didn't share about that for probably, I don't know, six or seven years maybe. But it was when I did my own healing. I understand what is my intent of sharing this story, I think is another Another piece that I'm really adamant about is like, what is the intent of this? Is it just to like blast it out because I want people to feel sorry for me? No, we're not doing that shit today. Right. But is there a learning experience? Have I gained some wisdom and some knowledge that I can share with somebody else? And do I feel comfortable and confident to share this? Okay, all systems go. Let's do this. And those are usually the stories in the the moments where people are like, oh my gosh, I needed this today. Right. I so needed this. So just because if you choose to be vulnerable, that doesn't automatically give everybody access to every story of your life. There are some stories that maybe I'll tell in 10 years and maybe I won't. And that's okay. Cause I don't owe that to anybody, mm-hmm. but the ones that I choose and feel aligned with that I can impact and help educate and, and inspire you through. Yeah. I'm, I'm game.
0: Yeah. I love, I love your, your boundary on that because, um, as we tell our clients, like if it's unhealed trauma, like that's for a therapist's office that that's, like go with to a professional or do the healing yourself, like work on you to process it through. But when you're on that other side of a healing, when, when the healing has come to the place of learning yeah. and where that learning, then when it transmutes and alchemizes into a teaching, then I, then that's when it's ready. But that's, there is a process to that evolution like i have some clients that go on and talk about like serious childhood sexual trauma but it's because they're on the other side of it yes it's they're not like currently processing those experiences and if you are like that's 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 not for public consumption because otherwise energetically you're blasting out your trauma in a way that's actually unhealed which is Opening up people's unhealed scars and it just is not good karma like to get super woo, but it's just not good karma for anyone I couldn't agree more with you So when you think of How you share your story and the way Were you ever at a place where you weren't vulnerable or did you just always have this ability to just Open
1: up and be that space I think that I've always been vulnerable but I've not always been comfortable being vulnerable. So I'm an empathetic person to my core, inside out, upside down. Any way you look at it, I, am, I feel everything, which is both a blessing and a giant pain in the ass. So I, I feel and I absorb a lot of things. And I've, I've learned to understand and accept myself as an energetic being and what that means for me. And so I think the, the, the vulnerability piece is like a muscle that strengthened and i also didn't it's interesting because i think a lot of our calling we're not always so clear on exactly what those pieces are that we kind of find them and discover them along the journey right it's like we're walking through the woods and we're going through these experiences and we're like oh that's the thing that i need let me pick that up and bring that along with me let me walk a little further oh i don't need this shit anymore let me put it over there right like and so we're kind of gathering this stuff and i think that my my strength my comfortability with vulnerability came from strengthening that muscle i picked it up along the way and i've always just been a talker right i i process things by talking them out loud and like having deep com. i love a deep conversation right like if you want to talk about like the meaning of life or you know like why the hair on your arm stands up like i want to talk to you right Like the- small talk yeah small talk makes me want to put my head through a wall I, i don't i just cannot and it's not wrong or bad i just cannot right so i think it's just been this like talking and i get so much of allowing myself and again just like this feels right to me at this time let me do it and it's just kind of built on on top and i always tell people too, like especially when they come a little bit closer into my world i don't expect you to have the same vulnerability level as i do I don't ask that of anybody. I always preface, share what you feel called to, if you feel called to, period. There is no expectation for you to then do what I'm doing. I'm just holding the space and creating the container so we all know that we're with like-minded people, right? And so I make jokes about stupid stuff that I do, and like I talk about the crappy things that have happened, and I'm like, I'm not making fun of or making light of anything. But I'm far enough, farther, uh, uh, far enough along now at this point where there's knowledge to share and I can, I can be fun with these things because it's just the way that I express things and that's okay. It doesn't need explained. It doesn't need changed. It doesn't need anything other than it feels right to me and it impacts people in a great way. So it's kind of a win-win situation. Hmm. I am just... I, I love how you share it <laughs> like I just
0: I love your vulnerability and and I'm I mean Dr. Brené Brown constantly talks about the correlation between vulnerability and gutsiness or courage and that correlation and I think you know in seeing that vulnerability so often, sometimes we can judge somebody else's perception, like, oh, they're so open about that. And it's, um, especially if we haven't done the inner healing work, sometimes that is triggering to be able to see and experience that to where it's like, "Oh, I should I be sharing about all these things, giving them the permission that you don't have to you can be as vulnerable as as your comfort zone is, yeah there's benefit to to let stretching that zone though yes there is yeah. a massive benefit because i i'm of the belief system and and i have a feeling that you are similar that our stories have this massive capability to transform and transmute and alchemize other people's challenges so that they go through it faster yes if we just have the courage to share, because courage is that vibration that literally tips the scales into all of the other wonderful vibrations of emotion, of, of love and peace and joy and enlightenment and all that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, vulnerability can be expressed in different levels, too. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that you need to get on TikTok and tell the world. Maybe your impact is in your close circle. Mm. Maybe it's within your friend group. Maybe it's within your family group. Maybe it's within an organization that you're really, really passionate about in your in your uh, community. You know, like vulnerability does not have to be anything other than what feels right to you. But to your point, stretching it and saying like, okay, I'm going to put myself out there a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to be that light for someone else. Like someone left a comment on my Facebook page this morning that I just cannot unshake and I don't ever want to. And she said, keep shining your light. I'm using it while I'm in the dark. Like literally my, every hair on my body just stood up. Oh, that just punched me in the and, butt. Oh, that's and, amazing. That's fantastic. Right? Like it is, it's moving. Like I, it is moving beyond words. I know you can feel that right now just as much as I can. Like it is, I'm like, thank you universe for a little like nudge of keep going today. Because that's the power of the vulnerability, of being, vulnerability sometimes is not even the spoken word, but it's just being who you are, right? That's, there's vulnerability in that in its own. So the impact, impact doesn't equate to numbers. Impact is impact, period. Mm -hmm. So you being you, you being vulnerable, you being gutsy might just be the light in someone else's darkness today. And that is priceless. There's a depth to
0: impact. So often impact comes with measurables of followers of downloads and uh, especially in, in the podcasting world and same with, you know, business world with it comes with the dollar signs. But what is the depth of that impact? Like when, like, I just remember when I have this one guy who I know that I deeply impacted him to four years ago when he when I met him he said what you said to me that day I was planning my suicide for that day and you helped me through like that's a depth of impact that goes beyond having hundreds of thousands of followers or or, like that is that that is saving a life and there is so much power to and that came from a vulnerable story of sharing about some childhood sexual abuse that I experienced and that that came from honesty though and truth and there's so much truth to that and I think it I love also what you said about the fact that it's not just about sharing the dark it's also sharing like fully yourself and the weirdness and you've mentioned a few times that you've got some <laughs> weird quirks yeah so I'd love to like which are the weird quirks that you actually had to own that you ha- hadn't owned publicly before,
1: um, being a hundred percent comfortable being on camera without any makeup or bra on. Now I'm not out here like shaking my titties, right? But, <laughs> but <laughs> most most of my, if you scroll through my reels or my TikToks, you'll often see me sitting at my little like makeup thing mirror setup. Do jiggy! I get so many downloads when I'm getting ready in the morning that I stopped fighting it because I found like, oh, if I just, okay, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. That magic, that spark, like sometimes it just goes as quickly as it came. And sometimes I write it down and I make a list and then I do my stuff, but I'm just like prop it up in the mirror, hit record. I'm not wearing any makeup. I've got all my, my like my pajamas, my hairs in some whack-ass bun. Like I just don't care. And I, I made a video once that I think that people really enjoyed it. And it was like the value of your content is greater than the color of your eyeshadow. Ooh, stop feeling like you have to have yourself put together to make an impact. Because I think that you care more about what I'm saying and how I make you feel versus what label is in my shirt or, you know, if I've got my eyebrows on right or not. Uh-huh. So it's just simple stuff like that. So, and then like I just make like stupid faces and then owning quirky parts about my body like I'm just super like I'm so fair complex like my complexion I made a video I was like I am like three shades darker than the color clear and I'm okay (laughs) with that right like this is the body and the skin that I was given and how cool is that like why am I going to be mean to that like this is literally what I was given it was a gift or I have this um if you can see on if you're watching on video Mm -hmm. I have this um birthmark it wraps the whole way up and around my arm and my shoulder when I was a little girl I hated this. I was like, when I grow up and I have money, I'm getting this removed. I would be, I would be devastated if I had gotten this removed because I'm slightly convinced that this thing is where I actually get my superpowers from. So, oh, yeah. (laughs) But like now I'm like, you know what? I would really love to do bedazzle it and do a photo shoot. Like, why not? Right. So, you know, it's just stuff like that. It's just, it's just who I am. You know, it's this reconnection with my inner child. I've done a lot of, lot of work with my inner child. A lot was of- that birthmark accepted yeah. by oh, your absolutely. family? Oh yeah,
0: yeah, they they embraced that. that.
1: Yeah, except everyone always thought like I had poison ivy and I was going to give it to them. But gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but after they realized that I'm not infectious, they were like, oh, "That's neat," and I was like, "It's, it's fine." <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's just like learning about these parts of yourself, and that's who I was when I was a little girl yeah right playful and quirky and funny and silly and um full of depth and and meaning and gutsy right i think that's always been a part of me so why do i have to not be that when i'm an adult why can't i be that when i'm a business owner i can be a professional and be silly i can i love that you brought up that word professionalism oh let's i need to be professional
0: like like can we unpack that word like to use full-on coaching language like what does that mean in the context of vulnerability because there are, there is a range of perceptions of what professional means yeah I have my opinion but I'd love to hear what yours is. yes
1: well I'm I mean I have opinions on things <laughs> <laughs> I try to use them in a constructive way so I yes. think that the word professionalism is another should so we collectively are given all of these shoulds i should be like this i shouldn't be like that i should dress like this i shouldn't do that you know i should go to this event because you know it's my family and i have to you know like whatever the, the case is professionalism it's just another should it's another expectation that we were given to live up on um mainly created by a society that it, it just doesn't work anymore right like it just doesn't work Um, And so this perception that to be taken seriously, you have to, you know, dress a certain way and have your hair put together the right way and you have to have the right zoom background and like, I was on Oh my gosh, I gotta tell you this. I was on a corporate call with two dudes a couple weeks ago, and I thought I was gonna like slide under the chair (laughs) and melt away into the ocean. Because I'm like, I can see through your bullshit talk so much that it is painful, right? It's this like sales pitchy kind of like button up conversation I'm like, that doesn't work everywhere. And if that is your style and it works in its integrity, that's one thing, but it's this expectation that I have to be something that I'm not, that's what doesn't work. And so letting down this expectation that I have to be something that I'm not to be successful, that's where we need to let go of the should.
0: Hmm.
1: I I feel like professionalism
0: has certain aspects that I have, you know, mutual respect. Like I respect your time, so I'm going to show up on time. That to me is an act of professionalism. Agreed. I respect authenticity and language, so I am okay with the occasionally and appropriately placed f bomb because sometimes you just need a good fuck. Right. absolutely and dropping it every two seconds in in a space where that might not be the audience that's then losing respect for the audience in which you're speaking to and thus I believe that that diminishes this perception of professionalism yeah so it depends on I think professionalism just like everything is relational it's It, and it comes with, uh, for me, professionalism is respect for the other person's values, for the other person's standards. Not saying that I'm going to conform myself to fit your mold, but I will show up respecting your beliefs, respecting your value system, respecting how your model of the world, and act accordingly in that space.
1: I love Rather, that. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm a hundred and ten percent with you, right? I'm not just like you know, strolling into client meetings whenever I feel like it and stuff, right? Like just snacking I, on a I, carrot. I, I'm <laughs> like, oh, hey, what's up? Sorry, I'm running 15 minutes late and I didn't tell you anything, right? Like that's just being a turd. Don't do that. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I, I'm with you. I love that per that that look at it of being respectful without abandoning who I am. So I like to look at like our ourselves we have this like scale, right? And, and I like to look at it from pajamas to ball gown, right? There is a, there's a version of us along the way, right? There is a, like, I'm literally in my couch, pajamas, haven't washed my hair in three days, like watching Netflix, you know, that's me. Look, if Oprah calls and is like, I'm having a banquet, I need you to be there and, and have your, like, be on your shit. Look, you can bet I'm going to be shifting and getting the things that I need to be able to show up to that event as myself. And then there's all of these different versions of us in between. And where it gets out of integrity is when we go off of that our own scale to be something else. So there is a professional version of me that when I've got like you know, really swanky outfit on, or I'm just like feeling like on, you know what I mean? Or I'm doing lots of recordings and I just kind of need to embody this like higher version of me. You'll see that in a lot of videos. But when I'm just creating 60 second nuggets of wisdom to help you get out of your own way, I'm not just, I'm not going to stop doing that to go put on like some formal outfit to then maybe better impact you. Like I don't need to be that version of me today. I, this version of me works just fine in this scenario mm. i love the spectrum
0: because that that whole being able to see that the spectrum of possibility like there's there is a version of me who like loves a good crisp like suit jacket but like i love a good blazer from time to yeah, time for sure but i'm not rocking that around my house necessarily while i'm chasing after a toddler it will get destroyed like it ketchup is, will happen I was, say,
1: I was gonna say there some kind of stain is or blood <laughs>
0: it's either ketchup or blood
1: <laughs> it's, all, it's all red it's all red it's just it's gonna, it's gonna happen yeah
0: so being able to accept and have that that spectrum and have it be reflective of who you are in in this in the space of what you're creating oh
1: Maura, I could just keep talking to you. I, like, I, I, I told you, I love a good deep conversation. Like, this is what I live for. Here, I could, like, the more the more I do it, the more I come alive, the more animated I get because I get warmed up and now I'm ready to take on the world. So how often to grow your podcast did you, like,
0: totally shifting gears into, like, business podcast structure? Got it when you think of how you grew it did you do a lot of guesting to grow it did you did you market it was it mainly social media that was growing it what was the 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 way that you really grew it so
1: i know that every single person that's listening has heard this word 8000 times so maybe it'll hit you a little bit different today consistency is the very first piece and you're like okay what else you got i'll get there but listen to me first please without being consistent you're not training and sharing with your audience that they can rely on listening to your content all the time they don't get familiar with it enough you see it every day right so you know it but the people listening aren't as invested yet as you are and so without the consistency you're not showing people what to expect and that creates inconsistent downloads that creates like windfalls you know it just it doesn't make sense so you have that's the consistency is like the foundation of everything i'll tell you that the thing that changed the numbers and everything the most was when i started to guest podcast on other people's so a little bit of a thing that i unintentionally did that i didn't realize but i'll share with you in case this is where anyone is at right now i kind of unintentionally hid behind my own podcast and my own guests. I I really put everything and everyone in the forefront, which was the intent. And that's great. But I was not putting myself out there either. Meaning I wasn't talking about my offers on my show. I wasn't talking about how to further connect with me. I was really amplifying the guest, but like kind of staying in the shadows a little bit. And I was like, hold on a second. This is also my show. (laughs) Um, How can I better support people to stay in my world? beyond this episode so guest podcasting allowed me to get on the other side of the mic kind of like what we're doing right now and I found that I love that just as much as I love hosting right like and in some ways it's kind of even a little extra awesome because nothing I don't have to do anything after this right like other than after you send me the wonderful links and I get to share it with my audience but when I joined two Facebook Facebook groups for podcasters not normally a Facebook group kind of gal. It's not ever really been my thing, but I was like, okay, I need to try something. So I'll just see what's out there. And if I feel icky about it, then I'll leave the group. Okay. Like that, it can really be that simple. What I found was there literally every single day, people were like, hey, I'm looking for a guest for this type of thing. Anybody out there? Yes. Me booked. Hey, I'm looking for a podcast for this. Anybody out there? Yes. Me booked. Uh, In the last three months, I think I've booked like 40 episodes. (laughs) Literally one of the easiest things I've ever done. And that, the leverage of using my voice and knowledge now on other people's shows. Now that that impact is growing in like these little pods in all different areas. Like I literally see like like a lily pad in the water and the ripple that kind of comes off of it. Like there's a bunch of lily pads now. Whereas before it was just my lily pad. So now their impact is kind of vibrating in a lot of different ways. And they trickle out all the time. They didn't all air at once. So like I'll periodically look at the numbers and I'm like, whoa, where did that spike come from? A podcast episode aired on someone else's podcast. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? So that is really the one of the biggest shifts that happened. And then the secondary shift that happened. So every week I have two episodes that air Tuesdays with a guest Thursday is a shorter episode called a Powerback episode. Again, I was unintentionally hiding behind my guest by doing the Powerback episode as an extension of the guest episode. Well, I found the guest episode. That's their area of awesome. Let me let them have that space and let that be what it is. What do I do really best is I help people get out of their own way. I get in their brains, we shift some things around, and we see a difference. So what if I just started using my own powerback episodes as ways to do more of that? That combination with guest episoding opened the floodgates. Gold. Gold. We um our
0: agency has a has a slogan, a theme. We say brand awareness is BS without sales. And a lot of people go on guesting to build their brand awareness first. So have you seen any growth of your business correlated to the guesting episodes that you've been on?
1: Yes, but in the very, I think, early stages of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that there, right now I'm in this kind of build momentum stage. And the other cool thing is I've also gotten a lot of clarity. You know, I, I was kind of fighting with myself about, you know, what is it that I truly want to teach about and how am I going to do it? And I was really kind of caught in a little bit in the shoulds myself. yeah. You know, a mentor told me once that we teach what we most need to learn. And I'm like, damn, you're right every single time. But um, I think between refining and getting super clear on what I offer and who I am and what I speak on, combined with this additional exposure of the podcast through guesting, um, it was recently featured on Amazon Music as a top business podcast to listen to. Like, what? What? Um, Wealth Insider published an article about me in the podcast and I'm like, what? Right. Like I to me, it's just like I that's why I said at the beginning, I feel like I'm at the beginning of the next stage of this journey because it it all feels so good and so right that um I think that the numbers are very soon to follow.
0: So y'all communication queens, let's give her a big old spike after this episode by heading over and subscribing to the Gutsy podcast. Laura, aside from the podcast, where can we find you?
1: Yeah, so lauraura.com is the hub for all things me. It's L-A-U-R-A-A-U-R-A.com. And if you want to see some of my ridiculousness, I am on TikTok the most, but Facebook has very quickly become my my primary um, platform. Um, And I'm at that Laura Aura on all the socials. Laura, you are just absolutely phenomenal. I am so
0: excited. And it this interview I know is going to impact exactly the people who needed to hear this to open up to a new level of vulnerability. And hopefully, if you've been thinking of starting your own podcast or starting guesting, if you have your own podcast, this may have given you the little bit of courage of the nudge to go with your gut and trust that intuition and trust that you'll figure it out. And if you need support with that, you know where to find us at communicationqueens.com. With that, as always, stand out and be heard. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. For more tips on guest podcasting, storytelling, and communication strategies, follow us on social media at Communication Queens Agency, and visit us at communicationqueens.com. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. And in the meantime, remember, your story has the power to save one life. Let your story and your voice be heard.